Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Scripture in Black and White. Uh, I'm Anthony Walker, and here with Bobby Harrington. Bobby, good to see you. Hey, Anthony, great to see you. Uh, So glad to be doing these podcasts and uh, really looking forward to our conversation today. Likewise, I am thrilled about today's uh, conversation. I know you and I have talked about it uh, off air. We're kind of passionate about this. Uh, Bobby, today we're going to deal with this concept uh, that I've heard about recently, uh, red letter Christians, red letter Christians. If you can, uh, intro that subject for us and and get us started on what that means. I sure will. Well, Anthony, can I start with uh, what I like about what the people who are called red letter Christians, uh, what I like about what they care about. And so here's what they care about. They want to focus on Jesus, which I think is pretty awesome uh, because he's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I follow him every day, uh, like personally. And of course, according to his word, so they, they want to they want to focus on Jesus, and I think that that's really good. Um, I think that the the desire is that to get back to what Jesus really said. I think that that's really good. Now, now I'm going to have to quibble with how how they think you can get there, but I think that those desires to focus on Jesus and to get back what he really what he really said uh, is important. So let me give you a definition of uh, what a red letter Christian is. So, uh, and by the way, there's a website, redletterchristians.com, where they cover this in detail. Um, So here's what they they do. Uh, Many Bibles have the words of Jesus highlighted in red letters. And so for red letter Christians, they believe in the black letters, they say, but Jesus is the lens by which they interpret the Bible and the lens through which they interpret the world in which we live. In other words, red-letter Christians want to take the red letters of Jesus and interpret the New Testament and the Old Testament uh, through those red letters. Now, there's a certain sense in which uh, what they want to do is right. We've actually talked about it that Jesus is the lens by which we read the Old Testament. Uh, we, we try to see through what Jesus taught us, uh, what Jesus accomplished, so that what's in the Old Testament we don't have to follow anymore. But here's where they make a mistake. They make a mistake by not realizing that when Paul is writing the book of Galatians, that's also the red letters of Jesus through Paul. And uh, when Matthew has the red letters of Jesus, that's not any different than what Paul says, Jesus says, because when Paul speaks as an apostle, he's saying, you know, this is from the Lord. In fact, we'll look at some passages where Paul's going to say, you know, this is what uh, Jesus says. Um, Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, yeah. Let me do this as as we're just coming down, underlining this. So they, in general, red letter Christians refers to those who just kind of highly emphasize the red letters, which are the words that were spoken by Jesus. That's right. In and, other words, that, yeah. No, no. In other words, they they try to make it like. Jesus' words are what we really follow, 
In fact, I've heard a preacher in a local church here. He said um, that we follow Jesus. And, you know, Paul was just like us. He was just trying to follow Jesus. And so Paul's words and Paul's authority, it's secondary to uh, what, what Jesus says in the red letters. Now, I just want you to know <laughs> that's really bad. That, that would be a version of heresy uh, that we're going we're gonna to talk more about. Uh, before, can I can I just though before we get to uh, uh, just talking about how we don't want to do this you don't want to you don't want to go this this path that these people do let I just want to sort of uh, empathize with them if we can for just a few more minutes so typically like the guys who started it uh, uh, Tony Campolo Anthony Campolo uh, uh, was a Christian who uh, really wanted to emphasize like social justice things. Uh, he was actually uh, a close friend of Bill Clinton's, for example, tried to help Bill Clinton, the former president, really follow Jesus. And so, you know, he had emphasized peace, the elimination of poverty, social justice, uh, not, not just him, but uh, Shane Claiborne is kind of that way. Uh, in fact, Shane Claiborne's one of the founders of Red Letter Christians and uh, Jim Wallace. And so these these uh, what they are is that they're uh, uh, people who claim to be Christians, care about the teachings of the Bible. They even though they want red letter Christians to not be political, uh, all the founders are, were strongly left leaning political people. And uh, so I, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to show Jesus uh, as he emphasized some of these more social justice uh care for the poor, care for the outcast type people, which is there and which is true. And it's an important part of what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, let me, let me uh, um, just read this from uh, Anthony Campolo uh, in his book, Red Letter Christians, uh, Citizen's Guide to Faith and Politics. He said, uh, talking about their gatherings, the purpose of this gathering was not to create a religious left movement to challenge the right. Okay, so he's admitting they all come from the left. The purpose wasn't to do that, but to jumpstart a religious movement that will transcend partisan politics by emphasizing, uh, these are my words, by emphasizing, hey, what did Jesus do and uh, the parts of Jesus' teachings that tended to emphasize care for the hurting and the needy and uh, those who are suffering, which is very much a part of what it means to follow Jesus. I mean, I'm, I'm with you in, as it relates to empathy. Uh, to, you know, I understand the desire to, okay, let's try to peel back what everybody says and let's just look at Jesus. You know, when I was in high school, uh, there was a big movement at the time. Everybody wore these bracelets, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And the heart hey, of hey, effort, hey, now you're dating yourself. Uh, by the way, <laughs> by the way, I just want everybody to know, two days ago, yes. uh, Brother Walker turned 40. 40, the big 4-0, yes. <laughs> I know there are people that are going to be listening. And say, I don't even remember those bracelets. Um <laughs> But yeah, there were these bracelets. What would Jesus do? WWJD, what would Jesus do? The heart of that is 
like you're saying here, uh, it comes from a good place of, of trying to focus on, okay, let's look to Jesus. Uh, even the Hebrew writer would say, uh, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. So we do need to look at him. Um, I just believe, you know, and, and we'll get into this in our discussion there are more questions that have to be followed from that. We, we can't just say, yeah. you know, what did Jesus do? You, you have the other questions related to it. Why did Jesus do it? Uh, what motivated Jesus's movement? If we look at, okay, well, what Jesus said, well, what did Jesus say about it? Okay, we start there. What did he say about this? But then at the same time, we're going to who was he talking to when he said it? Why did he say what he said? What does he mean when he says this? These are other good questions uh, that I think should follow up just the yeah. the red letter piece. Yeah, I think so. So uh, <clears throat> just to tip my hat, uh, we're going to see that actually, uh, first of all, these guys are not well-trained theologians doing this. They're people coming from a, a political angle here in North America, you know, when you just look at who they are and where they've stood and what they've emphasized, uh, you know, they're all strongly pacifistic and more for, a, 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 you know, a socialist kind of view of government and all that. Uh, we just, we just have to say that. I'm not saying that everybody who starts down this journey, it actually, to be fair again, uh, I can see why a lot of people want it. They want Jesus, but they don't want Paul. For example, they'll say, you know, Paul's problematical because of what he says, like about women or what he says about sexuality. He's real specific and all. And so that, you know, there's a like, ooh, I'm a little embarrassed by the Apostle Paul, but I like Jesus. Um, so uh, there's there's uh, three things we, we need to say, at least, uh, I think, about Red Letter Christians. So... Uh, if you're ready, I, I can jump into that. Let's dive in. All right. So the first thing is uh, they actually don't really want all the red letters of Jesus. And here's what I mean, because I, I like I used to love Anthony Campolo. I go hear him speak. I met him, loved his books and all that because uh, he had some really great things to say. Uh, about passion for Jesus. He was a, you know, an Ivy League sociologist guy, and it was awesome. But I know he didn't agree with what Jesus said about divorce, for example, in Matthew 5 and Matthew 19. Like, he, you know, it's like the red letters, uh, except, <clears throat> you know, because Jesus is pretty hardcore on uh, the only grounds for divorce would be adultery. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, Paul is... <laughs> Paul at least appears a little looser. I think Jesus and Paul are saying the same thing, but sure. there's called this Pauline exception. So, so I don't know that on that. Uh, Jesus is pretty hardcore in what he said about, for example, lust. That uh, you think it's bad to commit adultery. Jesus said, "Well, actually, if you look at a woman for the purpose of thinking about having adultery with her, uh, that's just like committing adultery." Whoa. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, Jesus said, uh, not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven in Matthew 7, 21. So, you know, it's just they they 
they overstate it. Like the Sermon on the Mount uh, is, you know, I think an honest, humble person will have to say in reading it that, wow, this is a very, very high standard that challenges all of us. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's the word of God to be obeyed, but I don't see in practice these people actually wanting folks to actually obey uh, the difficult teachings in the red letters. It's more the convenient teachings, if we're really honest, uh, for more of a left-leaning political persuasion. Bobby, I, I, I believe we touched on this in one of our previous episodes, but if not, I'll, I'll highlight it here. Whenever we come to the scriptures, whenever anybody reads it, the uh, skilled, tra highly trained theologian to the beginner reader, we all come to the text with uh, what's called presuppositions or pre-understandings before we even get to it. And so if you're really trying to study what the scriptures teach, we have to acknowledge that, that first off, I need to kind of disarm myself from the things that I'm already bringing to it so that I can be more readily able to hear, okay, what are you really saying? And as you relate to the red letter Christian perspective, the first, you know, initial practice is, okay, I want to just hear what Jesus has to say, but I got to look at everything that Jesus says. And even the things that Jesus says oftentimes are hard teachings. I'm mindful in uh, John chapter six, uh, as he begins to talk about uh, what would become the Lord's Supper. He says, hey, guys, one of these days you're going to uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood. They were thinking at the time, Lord, this is hard teaching. And, and that, you know, to us looking back may seem kind of mild, but there are some teachings even in his, you know, Sermon on the Mount, as you point out, uh, to those of us who, you know, are already studying and get it, we see there's some hard stuff in that, <laughs> you know, yeah, you yeah. Up about that. That's hard enough. Um, but if you're really aiming to hit it and to listen to it, uh, we got to study it and not just a passive reading uh, or to read, as you pointed out, that which is convenient. So, Anthony, one of the things that <clears throat> uh, some red letter Christians will say uh, for example, they'll say Jesus didn't have anything to say about homosexuality uh, because they'll point out that it's in the Old Testament and that's in the uh, Apostle Paul and uh, uh, Peter. Well, <laughs> that's not true. Jesus yeah. actually did because Jesus described sexual immorality. He used the word porneia. And uh, Jesus talked about how sexual immorality is wrong. And the word for porneia that he uses included homosexuality. The word porneia is basically a summary word for what Leviticus 18 uh, calls sexual sin. And there's a long list there. If you, you want to encourage our listeners to go to Leviticus 18 and just read through it, you'll see homosexuality is a part of that. So like it's, it's kind of the minimization of Jesus, but it's actually, I, the best way to say it is, it's a, it's a, it's a 
it's a bad job at talking about what Jesus said, because you're mm. actually not really taking everything Jesus said. And I, I hate to say it that way. And I know some people who are red letter Christians might be listening. I just, I just want to say, first off, uh, before we get into that, it's an invalid approach. Like, even if it is your approach, go all the way. Don't say mm -hmm. you're going to take the red letter uh, teachings of Jesus, but only make them more progressive or leftist things that you camp on. Like camp on the things on the right too. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, that would give it more credibility. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting a little amped up here. <laughs> so, so even if, okay, so you're saying, okay, let's say, you know, for sake of example here, let's say you do take the red letters. You're saying go all the way, ask all those other questions uh, as it relates to it. If you say, well, he didn't say anything about homosexuality, you know, well, how do you deal with him saying for this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife? Uh, that seems mighty exclusive as it relates to the kind of relationships that we're supposed to engage in. Um, you know, so I got to ask all of those questions and look at it contextually yeah. as it relates to the red. Yeah, they, they tend to say that right wing people are overly preoccupied with sins below the belt. OK, uh, and, you know, we don't want to do that. Uh, now, the Bible does have some things to say about how sexual sin is such a big deal. <clears throat> but, you know, I, I mean, I think it's a fair point. We want to care about the poor as much as we want to care about sexual sexual morality. But how about we do both? Because in Jesus, he did both. And, sure. uh, you know, you got him what he said about uh, marriage, uh, what he said about lust, uh, what he said about sexual immorality, uh, you know, not just the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 15, he says mm -hmm. that, you know, sexual immorality comes out of the heart. Well, that includes homosexuality and things like that. So uh, if, if you want to do it, uh, <laughs> go all the way. That's all well, I'm let saying. Let me say this before we get to the, to the next uh, point here about this. So if you were to take that approach, I can see a consistent thread in all of those issues that you brought up, uh, I, I could put it in this phrase, uh, the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. And Jesus was addressing all of these issues as a heart issue. Yes. Uh, he, he points out with divorce, the reason why the exception is made that we even have this discussion about divorce he says it was because of the hardness of your hearts. The reason why we're having to talk about uh, lust and adultery is because you were engaging in lust, but you were saying to yourself, well, at least I didn't go all the way. And he says, but in your heart, you have gone all the way. So I've got to address that. The reason yeah. why we're dealing with some of these issues. So again, this, this was the point I was making earlier. If we're going to say, okay, let's stick to the red letters and what he said, cool, but let's even study what he said, why he said what he said, what he's addressing. And I'm sure you'll get a more comprehensive understanding than just what did the red letter say? That's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. Now, Anthony, <clears throat> let me go to the next point because uh, I'm just uh, dying to talk about it. And that is that <clears throat> Jesus spoke through the Bible. He, he spoke 
as much through the Apostle Paul as he did through Matthew when Matthew recorded his literal words on earth. So, like, here's the whole thing that Jesus indicated uh, during his ministry that he was entrusting his teaching to the apostles, and then the apostles put their teaching down in the documents we now call the New Testament. We went over this a few weeks ago. You want to go back and listen to our podcast, but it wouldn't have made it, a book wouldn't have made it into the New Testament unless it was Jesus' words through the apostles. Through, yes, so Jesus yes. is speaking through the apostle Paul or Peter or John as much as he's speaking through Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You can't, it's like, like nobody in the early church ever thought anything like just the red letters because they said <laughs> everything, everything is the red letters in the New oh, Testament. Okay. Yeah. You know okay. what I'm Wait a minute, Bobby. You, you just said something kind of deep and, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say this as you're cooling down for those that are listening, you can hear Bobby's really passionate about this one. Um, so the red letter, let's, you know, even back up for a moment and talk about that. The whole concept of a red letter was an organizational tactic and, and not a Holy Spirit led, <laughs> like the original uh, scribes did not uh, go, uh, you know, make red ink from beets to say, hold on, wait, before we write this down, let's write this in red. This was later on done as an organizational piece, just to kind of assist in study. Am I, am I right about that? Yeah, yeah. And it was done by, you know, just guys recently. Nobody in the ancient church did it. Uh, you know, it's a, well, our third point, we're going to get to to this. How okay. it, you know, getting the idea that you have a, a, a canon within the canon or a Bible within the Bible uh, is uh, just really always been perceived as a dangerous thing. Let, let me just stick with this, though, because... sure. Uh, it's like, what are the words of Jesus? So okay. let me, I'm just going to read to you from 1 Corinthians 9. We could have many examples like this. Okay. So Paul is writing to the church in Corinth mm -hmm. and uh, he's writing as an apostle. You go back to the beginning of 1 Corinthians, you can clearly see he's writing as an apostle. And to be an apostle is to be the communicator of the words of Jesus. Okay? okay, it's like that's what apostles do. Anyway, he says this just as an example, talking about supporting people who are in ministry with funds. And he says this in verse 13, don't you know, talking about the Old Testament, that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar. So he's giving the example in the Old Testament how the priests were supported uh, personally, materially, financially by what was offered uh, in the temple or on the altar, or the tabernacle. Then he says this, watch this in verse 14. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Paul is literally saying, Jesus commands that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So, like, Paul is totally claiming that his words are the words of Jesus. 
for the church. Mm. Mm. Like, so. like, here's another example in Galatians. Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul writes the book of Galatians. Here's how he starts. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men nor, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And then he goes on, he says, I'm astonished that you're preaching a different gospel. If we right. or an angel from heaven should preach a different gospel. In other words, he's communicating from God, God's word for the churches in Galatia. Uh, and again, wow. that yeah, a book wouldn't have made it into the Bible in the New Testament, as we saw. The criteria was the apostles' teaching, and the apostles' teaching is the teaching of Jesus. So, man... So when Paul would say, for I have received from the Lord that which I also deliver unto you, oh. I, I, I take it directly that this is something that God is commanding. And um, you're quoting and, what? 1 Corinthians 15 there, or it could so, be 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11. 11. I mean, you say either one of those. Paul did this multiple times, <laughs> as yeah. it, especially as it relates to him correcting uh and, and he tells us uh why what the scriptures are about i think we're going to use that in a point but he has to do that several times to let them know hey this is coming from the lord this is yeah. not just a wise man or a very devout christian saying hey i think i know what the church needs right here no i'm giving you what the holy spirit uh and the lord has has told me to give you. I, I'm, I'm giving it to you from them. So let me ask you this, Bobby. How do they, and, and this may lead into your, your point, but how do they deal with Paul? Is there kind of a generic way that the red letter Christian handles Paul? Do we just sit him on the shelf or do we say, well, it's good, but let's just stick to what the red letters say. Yeah, <clears throat> I think here's here's how I see them handling it. First of all, typically, and I'm not saying everybody's like this, but typically it's a lazy man's approach or a lazy woman's approach where, you know, you get to feel pious because you say you follow Jesus. And also what you're doing is you're saying that the red letters, uh, somehow they have more authority than Paul because you actually don't like what Paul says. Now, sometimes people are explicit. They just say, you know, I, I follow Jesus, I don't follow Paul. Paul was a misogynist, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, they'll come up with, uh, you know, all these negative things about Paul. And, uh, and uh, you know, in the heretical versions, they literally say they follow Jesus, not Paul, that, uh, you know, Paul's defective. Uh, and his teaching doesn't have the same authority and shouldn't be followed is is really it's really where they're going. I mean, there are progressives who go all the way, uh, mm -hmm. and that's what they say. You know, Paul wasn't inspired, or he was biased, or uh, you know he got it wrong, and uh, so we diminish and we dismiss him and don't follow him. So I think what it is typically, unfortunately. Uh, it, it ends up being a way of trying to get a more culturally acceptable Jesus who's a little more of a socialist 
and a little more compassionate and a little more understanding. So they think, like we said, mm -hmm. uh, without actually looking carefully at what he taught. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. So let's go into but, how would go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, let me let me bring this up because this will be my third. The first point is they're actually really not looking at the teachings, the red letters. Uh, like if we grant for a second their their approach, they're actually not consistent with it. Number two, it's actually not true. It's not right. I mean, again, uh, Jesus speaks through Paul as much as he does Matthew. Uh, nobody ever believed that in the early church. Uh, you know, it's never been something accepted. And then let me get to the third point here. It's the idea that all scripture is God breathed. Like Jesus spoke through all scripture uh, and not just, again, Matthew, Mark. He also spoke through the Old Testament. Like uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, for example, the Apostle Paul refers to Old Testament things where, you know, it's Jesus in the Old Testament. And if we believe in a in a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's one God in three persons, which I do. Mm -hmm. So when God speaks through Isaiah, Jesus is speaking through Isaiah. When God speaks through Genesis and Moses, Jesus is speaking through that. So, so the idea that, you know, all of the Bible is the words of Jesus. Now, they've got to be properly understood through Jesus' teachings, through his sacrifice on the cross, uh, through the through the revelation, the complete fulfillment and fullness of everything in Jesus, yes, but it's all authoritative and all part of the package. Anthony, if I can, uh, uh, I'd like us to look at Second uh, Timothy three and just you know this is not our idea. This is what Scripture says itself. Certainly, certainly. Uh, you know, when Paul deals with that, as he says, all scripture is. Hey, brother, God why don't you go ahead? Would you would you read for everybody Second uh, Timothy three sixteen right through Second uh, Timothy four verse four? If you could do that, uh, sure. I'd like people to see how it's both Old Testament and New Testament teachings. They're inspired sure. by God. Paul says uh, in 2 Timothy 3, 16, uh, beginning at 16, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead and in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Um, Bobby, let me say this uh, as we're coming down this lane here. 
Paul is even showing that, number one, not just the red letters, but the black letters, too, uh, are useful uh, for teaching, are useful for rebuking. So I can take something that Jesus has given the apostles and the apostles have shared in doctrine. I can use that as a form of teaching and rebuking, correcting and training. Paul says that. But then he also says, and I think this is uh, evident here in our, even our discussion, he also says the time will come when people won't put up with sound doctrine. And so from what I understand with that is there will be a time where people will say, I, I don't like this part of the scriptures. Have you seen, Bobby, where, I'm sure you have, where people will say, I don't like this part, so we just we just cut it out. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so so throughout church history and happening today, uh, there's various ways that people use to get rid of hard teachings. Now, in our next session, you and I are going to talk about the hard teachings uh, mm -hmm. that uh, that we're going to follow. Um, but throughout, I mean, we do it because we don't want to change. We don't want to obey certain things. Now, sometimes people use these sophisticated ways to get there. Like we've talked about, uh, you know, uh, because I know Anthony Campolo, uh, <clears throat> he's well advanced in years now, but, you know, he was, he was, he had problems with certain parts of the teachings of Jesus. Um, you know, uh, you know, he was just trying his best to deal with that. If you go back to the early church history, uh, right after the, you know, the apostles had their teachings it, by 150. So, you know, within 50 years of the apostles completing their uh, writings, uh, you know, if we assume, for example, the book of Revelation is in 90 AD. So by 150, so that's 60 years later, Marcion was a very popular teacher and he would cut out parts of the Old Testament and and parts of the apostles' teaching referring to Old Testament things, he would just cut it out. Or here's a good one for you, Anthony. I don't don't know if you know this, but uh, Thomas Jefferson <clears throat> literally took the Bible and he cut out the miraculous parts of the Bible uh, because he was a deist and uh, he wanted it to fit his scientific mind. And like mirac miracles were a problem. And so he wanted to cut them out so that uh, he would just have Jesus, the moral teacher. A lot of people do that today, right? Uh, you have the mm. Quran. The Quran has a, you know, they take some parts about Jesus, but they don't like that Jesus was the son of God, or, you know, they don't like the Trinity, or they don't like that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We just have to acknowledge, uh, and this really does lead into the next session we're going to do. We just okay. have to acknowledge that uh, following Jesus as Lord and King and surrendering everything to him creates difficulties for all of us. But if he's really Lord, if he's really our Savior and our King and our Lord, mm -hmm. then we're going to ask for his help to obey all of his teachings, even the hard ones. And we're going to submit to and honor his lordship by doing that.
Oh, wow. Thank you for that, Bobby. Um, so, so as you pointed out, there have been efforts, this whole idea of cutting up the scripture to make it more palatable has been even as early as 150 AD um, because of how people look at the scriptures. Uh, I believe it's safe to say, you know, if God is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Like we have to understand all of this is his. And that's even as one who aims to obey, to seek and follow Jesus, I have to recognize that there will be some parts that align with my proclivities. You know, I, I may personally be a, you know, a kind person, et cetera. I'll get that. But in the, you know, areas where Jesus challenges us to be sacrificial, when he challenges us to repent of our sins, when he challenges us, I, I have to say, man, I, I may not want to do this, but he has, he's the Lord. I, I got to yeah. follow what the Lord yeah. says. Right. Um, and even what he teaches because the, the, the doctrine that the apostles teach was given by Jesus and is also inspired by God. As, as Paul would say, all scripture is God breathed. It is the breathing of God's word. It, it, is, it is so as much as uh, Paul says it, as much as Matthew says it, as much as Peter says it, is as much as God saying it himself. That's right. You've got it. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I just, uh, let me just, these would be my last words on this okay. because I know there are probably some folks who've kind of committed or thought of themselves as red letter Christians. Uh, I, I want to acknowledge the concern for things like social issues. We should care about the poor. And I, I hope all of us, as we follow Jesus, are doing our part individually to take care of the poor. Uh, to, and I mean that like around the world and other places. Uh, you and I have had conversations, for example, uh, Anthony, about some justice issues, racial justice issues, mm-hmm. and how that wasn't right for much, mm-hmm. much of the Christianity of uh, of uh, white Christians. Uh, mm-hmm you know, uh, through the whole civil rights movement. Fortunately, it was followers of Jesus who were central in the civil rights movement. And it was a part of the teachings of Jesus. They would say, this is the T and they were right to do that. And so I just want to acknowledge that it is true that Jesus does not ride on a donkey or an elephant. And it is true that we surrender to the lamb. Yeah. But we all have blind spots, and uh, we just want to be people. And what we're saying, and I'm going to turn it back to you to close, is we're we're both saying we got to follow all of it, including the parts about mercy and compassion and social justice. Sure, mercy, compassion, uh, spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting, uh, Holy Spirit power. Uh, giving. I mean, it, it, it's all in there. Uh, I'll say this uh, kind of on a light note, Bobby, uh, a friend of mine, he would always get up and preach about how much he loved his Bible. And he says, I believe, I believe my Bible. He said, I believe everything 
in my Bible. He says, I even believe the cover of my Bible that <laughs> says Holy Bible and it says my name on it. He says, I believe that. <laughs> so so we, we just want to teach that as well, that we believe in the scriptures, what Jesus says, what he teaches, and that all of it is inspired by God. Listen, everyone, as always, we want to remind you to check us out at renew.org. Uh, in particular, go to renew.org slash media uh, if you want to find our uh, uh, media page, our podcast landing page. Uh, you'll also find some other podcasts that we have on Renew, any documents or any slides that we have associated with uh, our podcast, you can find there. But we thank you all so much for listening. And Lord willing, we will see you all on the next time. You all have a good, good rest of the week. God bless you from Bobby and I on Scripture in Black and White.